You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Good. Thanks so much, Nanette. Thank you so much, worship team. That passage, that, that picture of a, of a tree, I think I have it up there as well. There's a picture of a tree with these, these, these roots that are deep. That when a storm comes, that, that when a fire comes, that when persecution comes, or when the whole world is calling the church intolerant and bigoted and all types of things from the project, <laughs> it has deep enough roots that it stands. Maybe blows a little, but it stands strong and deep. Love that picture. If you hear nothing else over the next three weeks, if I talk too fast, if I'm not loud enough, if you're distracted, hear this. This is my heart for Burley Heads Church of Christ. This is what I picture we can look like as individuals and as a community, this tree. If nothing else, then you've got it. I may just get down now because that's the picture. Love it. When something comes that could blow it over, knock it down, it stands strong. A deep, beautiful picture. And I want to explore this picture this morning. And I want to start with the fact that trees like this need rich soil. I'm not over-exhausting the analogy. Uh, In fact, Jesus speaks about soil multiple times. He speaks about uh, rich soil in Matthew 13, 1 to 23, in Mark 4, 1 to 20, and Luke 8, 1 to 15. I'm going to be throwing a fair few verses at you today, so please be taking notes. If you want to do some research and read later on, that would be phenomenal. But he speaks about the parable of the sower. And I don't have time this morning to go right through that story. But it's a parable where Jesus teaches that the gospel, the message goes out and scattered on different soil. And some of the soil is a road, and so it doesn't really go anywhere. Some of the other soil, it gets eaten by birds. Seeds, sorry. Some of the other seeds gets tangled by weeds. And some of the other seeds find rich, good soil. Rich, good soil. Jesus is telling us through this parable and highlights for us today to ask the question, well, if we want to be this tree, what type of soil do we find ourselves in 2017? What variables acting upon us and our soil. And a lot of this I'm going to speak about isn't just this church, it's Australia. What's acting on the soil? Because this is just a small room that a few of us sit in. But when we go out, what is the soil? What happens when we try to express the message of Jesus? How's it received? What soil do we find ourselves in? Well, I want to speak about three major variables that we find ourselves in in 2017. There's hundreds These are three ones that a lot of Christian writers are speaking on and thinking about in Australian context. The first one, the first variable that we look at when we look at a soil in Australia today is, I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture is so self-obsessed. Again, not talking about the church, talking about Australia. I'll clarify that because these are pretty harsh variables. They're obsessed with putting themselves first. It's all about, uh, actually it's not about my needs most of the time, it's about my wants. 
The idea of someone not getting what they want in this day and age is betrayed as some insane crime or sin. And I'm not talking about water, shelter, education, the essentials to grow. I'm talking about individual wants. So much so that our gods of society, if that's what we want in society, our gods of society are those that get what they want. So we celebrate celebrities, rock stars, or business gurus are the benchmarks for the people that want everything because these people seemingly get what they want. I laugh a little and a little concerned at the marketing campaign for our federal budget in 2017. To, oh, 2017. It was... This was the tagline, how will the budget affect you? Not, how will it affect the community? Not, how will it affect your neighbour? Not Australia, not the poor, not the disadvantaged, not the homeless, but how will it affect you? How will this affect you? It's a completely self-seeking culture. I don't really need to convince you of this. (laughs) You've all been outside. You can see this. It's no longer what's best for us, it's about what's good for you and maybe a few of your mates. And it's not an age-specific thing. Unfortunately, it's definitely not just an outside church's thing. Even the phrase, and I use this phrase, so I'm saying this is a phrase that I've used many times, I love to worship this way. It is an evil thing to say, there's nothing wrong with that. But since when was worshipping our God? Since when was surrendering ourselves, sacrificing everything and getting on our knees to praise our God about what we like? It's just part of our language. It's not bad, it's not evil, it's just become part of everything. It's self, I'm not getting what I want. Either way you'll agree, firstly, we live in a self-focused soil. The soil is self-focused. Second observation, currently just under 50% of marriages fail in Australia and it's not much less in the church. Focus on the Family did some research and they said the main issue that they can see through the research, the main issue is actually not in the moment. It's in that what it actually develops in people is a lack of trust in relationship and people. And so we're seeing generation after generation of people that don't quite trust people because of their experience. So our schools, our universities, our churches are filled with people that have a natural tendency not to trust people. And then you look at the lack of accountability and transparency in churches over the years with finance, power and children And culture not only thinks of us, and I'm sorry about this, but culture not only thinks of us as greedy, secret pedophiles, but they don't trust us even if we weren't a church. We know this not to be true. This is the reality, the soil we live in. This is what they think. So no one trusts anyone, especially not institutions, and then especially not churches. They're not trusting. Third observation This is is encouraging, isn't it? (laughs) Third observation when it comes to the soil we find ourselves in. 
Psychology Tomorrow magazine recently quoted that the primary way for under 50s to maintain relationship is via Facebook. Instead of a call or quality time, instead of a meal and a conversation, it's a comment or a like on a photo of probably an article or a manufactured personality, a manufactured image of ourselves. And it is leading to, and it says, the most connected generation of all time, but the most lonely. In fact, on further research, our statistics have been plotted at what happened to culture three months after the iPhone 7 came out. So imagine it takes a while for it to three months to six months, it starts, and it, it, this is what happens. The one good thing, murder is dropping. Since the iPhone 7, three to six months, murder's dropped. I don't know if that's a, I don't know what's that to do with. I think it's distracted, too distracted to murder, perhaps. But people are having less sex due to distraction. It's down, like the graph says this. People are getting their license less. The graph does this. No one wants to go out of the home. Here's the more serious ones. Suicide and self-harm is skyrocketing and loneliness and lack of genuine friends is skyrocketing. Loneliness is on the rise in our soil today. With our alternative words online, or worlds online, and our high offences with the neighbours, we are so lonely as a people in Australia. So, so lonely. The hard truth is the global church, actually not the global church because they're doing great in China and South Korea and places like that, the Western church is bleeding people and outside these walls people are lonely, they don't trust anyone and they're self-centred. They're in a post-Christian society and seriously, next to nobody is turning to church for the answer. We have lost generations. A lot of our kids in churches across, but some of you relate to this, don't come to church. And their kids' kids certainly don't come to church. In terms of statistics, we lost them. I'm not talking again about us in this church. I'm talking Australian church within Christianity in the West. It doesn't meet their needs. They don't trust it and they don't know how to connect even if they wanted to. This is a snapshot of the soil we find ourselves in. So keep in mind the tree planted deep and the water watering it by the stream. How do we as a community respond and act and react to this? Where do we start? So that's enough with the negative part, the facts about the culture we live in. How do we act? How do we react? And I guess I'm going to turn the camera, turn it around on us today, and the next week we'll talk about what we could actually start to build, perhaps. Because this picture of a tree, this ancient wisdom, Old Testament wisdom that transcends time, has something for us to say in the culture today. In Jeremiah, the verse that Annette read says, He's like a tree planted by water and sends out its roots by the stream. The tree's life source. There's no stream there, (laughs) but it should be. 
is in Jesus. The living water. Ultimate authority is in Jesus Christ. Ultimate rest, joy, hope, peace for this tree is through connection with the Father. This simplistic in theory, but when you think about it practically, if you think about when, um, when you have a different crisis or question, who do you turn to? I do this, this is so me. I Google it, or my wife Googles it. I'm going to confess for my wife. She Googles it. She Googles everything. She's yelling at me, but it's uh, soundproof glass. I can't hear her. She Googles it. Oh, I need to Google it. Me, as a guy, I just go, I'll be right. I'll figure it out. Um, oh, I go, it'll be right. I'm pretty awesome, I think. I think to myself, I'm pretty awesome. I'll figure this out. It's in my weakness. <laughs> Or we think education might get it. That might be the authority. Or because, yeah, our culture is obsessed with ourselves, you probably relate to think, oh, I think I'll be right. I got this. I can handle this. I've put it. I'm the man. I'm awesome. That's the type of things that you think when you go through an issue. Oh, oh, we'll just work through this. And I can see from a few nods that there's at least three of you that relate to this. <laughs> But this is not what the picture is telling us. It's certainly not what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. He didn't mean follow me on Facebook. He meant, didn't mean observe from a distance. He didn't even mean follow me when you fail. No, he meant follow me. Learn my ways of being and living. Learn my truth of seeing the world and, uh, and eternity. And take my life-giving message and hope into your life. That's why he literally says in Matthew 16, when everyone is gathered round, and there's this picture in Matthew 16 when they're all gathered round, and they're saying, do another, essentially they're saying, do another miracle, Jesus. Do something cool. Prove your God. Very self-focused. Do something cool for us, Jesus. Heal more of us. Do something. Then Jesus, it says this in Matthew 1624, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus says the opposite of our current culture, our current soil. Give up your wants, he says. Give up what the world tells you you need and find your authority, living water, your power, your purpose, your life in me. What a challenge. No matter what age you're at this morning, what a challenge. Jesus isn't asking for some or part of it. He's asking for it all. Make the first thing you see in the morning your Bible. These are some little practical challenges. Instead of it, it's a, it'll be right attitude, ask God if it'll be right. Because he might have something there for you. Instead of feeling the need to sift others and look around and go, should they be doing that? Let God sift you first. We are called to follow Jesus. 
Stay connected to the living water following Jesus. The second thing this tree does is it has deep roots. It's not a surface tree. My friend's neighbour, is there any gardeners, avid gardeners in the room? So you're welcome to correct me on this (laughs) because I'm not a gardener. But my friend, get this, this is the connection. My friend's neighbour is a gardener. There we go. So there's a connection. So there might have been information lost, but I'm going to try. And he, he's been growing this orange tree, my friend's been telling me, this orange tree that's um, in his backyard. It's beautiful. And he laughs, he told my mate, when he sees those potted orange trees with like one little stem. There's big orange in shopping in wherever you buy orange trees, the orange tree store. And he says, because there's no way that can handle that orange. And what he does he, um, he, if he gets something like that, the first time it fruits, he cuts all the oranges off and prunes it back. Second time it fruits, cuts it all back. So the opposite thing you think you should do. Third time it fruits, I think he said three times, cut it back. And then the fourth time, he knows the roots, he knows the stem, and he knows the tree is ready to produce fruit. Not a Christian, but as my mate is telling me this story, like, that's beautiful. That's John 15, which I've talked about multiple times from the platform here. And please, go have a look. We don't have time, but John 15, the vine. Growing deeper roots. Within the pot, that small stem is not there yet. It's not ready to produce an orange because it needs to grow deep roots first. Church, we need to go deep. We need to let God into the dark places in our lives. And we need to let each other in. The world potters itself in with mistrust, disconnection and high fences and online walls. It doesn't allow itself to be vulnerable. God is calling us, I believe, burly heads, into the deep. To be this tree, to handle the fruit I believe God has coming. Actually not interested in seeing the fruit right now, to be honest. But I didn't move my family to a church one-tenth the size. Size doesn't matter, but one-tenth the size to this, to this community and didn't bring other families, a few families with us, move our family home to Burley Heads, Come on, I know it's not a big sacrifice, but I'm being Peter. But no, 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 I'm not talking myself up. We didn't do that if we didn't believe God has some amazing fruit for this place. Or he has had amazing fruit for this place. But we wouldn't have done that if we didn't think God's got something coming and going and happening here. But, and yeah, Burley Head's not a massive sacrifice. It's really hard to be five minutes away from the nicest beach in the world. (laughs) But if we're going to handle it, we don't want it next week. We need to grow our roots deep. We need to talk to each other a little deeper than the weather, a little bit more than how are you, I'm good. How are you, good. I love the way Paul, Paul says it better, obviously talks about the body of Christ in Ephesians 4. Let me read this through. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, in which you have been called, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. How funny, bearing, not get on with each other, enjoy each other, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Here's Paul talking about the essentials. This is the never-changing God message. This is the stuff that doesn't change. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By grace was, and here's the practical, by grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, what do we do with that? When he ascends on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. I'll move on, but he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Paul is taking a page from this book, this maturity, this growing, so that we no longer be children And isn't this a beautiful picture of today's culture? Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is at the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped and each part working properly makes the body grow so it can build itself up in love. Ephesians, if you don't know, is a book about identity, who we are in Christ. And Paul describes the church. He says we have our essentials, Jesus Christ, his way, his truth, his life, his Holy Spirit. Then he speaks about the combination of gifts and different stories. Each of us play a different part. Different gifts, different stories, different hurt, but also different gifts. And although it's hard, he says, bear with one another, although it's tough because we're all broken, we've all got issues. If we work together, if we connect in with the water, if we let each other in to those deep places, we will grow deep roots. Maturity, we won't be tossed back and forth by ideas and schemes and even clever things, good ideas. We will be ready for the God ideas that he has for us. Paul is inviting us to grow deep, deep roots. And if I could sum it up today, if there's a statement, church, if I could sum up these two ideas, it's that we need to be disciples of Jesus. Amen? Students, apprentices, learners of Jesus, whether we're one-year-old, like the one-year-olds out there, whether 150-year-old, you don't stop. It doesn't, you don't graduate. We'll find it in heaven if we graduate. I bet there's a ton more to learn in heaven. But right now, we're students, apprentices, learners of Jesus. This means in our current culture, in this current soil, we cannot afford to say, well, it used to work. Let's do what we used to do. We can't afford to say this. Or let's do what I like. We just can't. We can do some of that stuff, but we can't make that the filter. Just because it used to work doesn't mean it will work today. 
just like sitting around like the ancient (laughs) first early church doing everything they did wouldn't work today. Same God, got to find what God's saying to us today. Let me give you one quick example, conscious of the time. If I were to book, well, actually, I became a Christian on a Sunday night service with a gospel message and I went down the front and then I prayed with my parents when I got home on my bunk beds and I gave my sisters on the bottom and I became a Christian. I can remember it clearly. Learned a lot. <laughs> Learned what it actually meant to be a disciple after that but gave my heart to Jesus. If I ask many of you, I bet some of you became a Christian through a service. Perhaps Billy Graham. Perhaps it was a stadium. stadium. Perhaps it was a youth conference. And you gave it, he said, yeah, that's what I want. Perhaps it was an evangelist on a Sunday night. Here's the truth in 2017. If I were to book Billy Graham or something similar today in Australia, here's what would happen. And this is close to my heart too, because this is how I became a Christian. And I'm not making this up. There's, a lot of, there's quite a few books talking about Australian context and actually getting evangelists in in that context, people probably won't come. They don't trust us. The church means nothing. It means less than nothing to them. So very likely they wouldn't come, first thing. They've got no parents that went to church and they've got no parents' parents that went to church. And so the idea of church isn't something even familiar to them. And plus they've been entertained by their iPhone. (laughs) Distracted. They may not even have their licence, according to statistics. You may get them there, though. Say you get them there and they hear a message, the gospel. More than likely, they don't understand it. So when I became a Christian, I had a, 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 a biblical literacy. Even my parents didn't go to church. I understood Noah. There was prayer, not long before that, actually, still, prayer in schools. And so there was a literacy. Even if I didn't go to church, I understood sin, God, Jesus. Very As a young guy, I understood the, the basics. They won't understand it. They didn't grow up in church. Or their parents or their parents didn't grow up in church now, so there's zero biblical literacy. So no Noah, no David, no Jesus, except for a swear word, no sin will resonate with them. It's like a foreign language. And keep in mind, they don't trust it. And keep in mind, when the guy stands up there and says, you've got to give your life away, that's the worst thing in the world. Because <laughs> they're self-centred. So is this an evil idea? It's just an example. No, of course not. Not at all. And would people come to Jesus? Absolutely. The Holy Spirit's still there. The Holy Spirit still pierces people's hearts. There'd be still heartbeats. There'd be still the Holy Spirit speaking. But might that be the best way to nurture, the best way to give people Jesus in our current culture? I think we'd have to rethink it. It's just, an, it's just one example. But we might have to rethink the way we do that. Because the statistics are saying it's actually not working. That model. We'll talk about the model that is working, the model that Jesus presented next week. We'll talk about the question of making disciples of Jesus next week. It doesn't mean it never works, but we have to understand our culture. We need to say this if we're disciples today, Burley Church. Jesus, 
Jesus Christ, in this insane, broken, lost, lonely world, what do you have for us today? How do we create a culture of discipleship here at Burley Heads? How do we plough the ground, the soil, enrich the soil so that seeds can grow? Again, we'll talk about a Jesus model for discipleship next week. But today we're talking about being a disciple, which is heaps harder. It's easy to talk about stuff we're going to do, but when I turn it around and we start to talk about us, that's why it's so quiet, I believe. So, and I'm about to finish. What's our first response? What can we take away from this morning as we reflect and hopefully pray? And if some of you fast, encourage you to do that. If that's to fast about this, what do we do to come up against this culture? Take notes on some of the, uh, the verses and talk about them in your small groups, in your Bible studies. Pray together about this. Pray for Burley Heads Church of Christ. And let's ask God um, for his favour in this new season. As we surrender our own agendas, what we want necessarily, in favour of furthering his kingdom. This is the last thing I'm going to do today, and I wasn't even sure I'm going to do it, but I think it's an amazing first step. Not even sure if I'll offend people. We'll see. Can I ask us, as a church, I think... The best way to explain or the best way to start and say, yes, we may have been disciples for years, but we are disciples today as well. And never more have we wanted to seek Jesus and bring Jesus to our culture. I think we're going to do something, and it's a harsh word in today's society. I'm going to ask us to repent. Let me explain. This church is a lovely, welcoming community. At least that's what I've experienced. But like every church that has been around for longer than two weeks, or two days maybe, this has been around 40 years, people get hurt. People get shut down. Ideas get shut down. Voices feel unheard. People accidentally hurt other people. Sometimes there's wolves that come in and tear things at times. This church has had those moments. I think anyone that's been here a while would agree this church has had those moments. At times, like every other church. I know there was a Freemason background in this church. I know that a lot of ministers have left this church hurt. I know that Neil, at times, has been knocked around in the last 10 years. Had some amazing times. He's had some times of hurt. I know a lot of names that each of you have are people that used to come here. This isn't unfamiliar for any church. This is just church life. I know that for some reason, in the last 40 years, this church has hit a ceiling each time and cannot grow past it. And it's not about the numbers, but for some reason, in the most populated, in one of the most growing populations in Queensland, where you walk down this road, there's just prams and kids and families everywhere. We keep hitting a ceiling. We're a good number. It's a great church. We keep hitting a ceiling. Are you agreeing with this? It's hard stuff, but are you agreeing with this? Amen? Amen. This, is, this is the church. Every person or every church has mistakes, but I do feel there's something spiritual about this. It's, and do you know what it does? 
If we don't address it, it keeps us potted. It keeps us potted. Because we, we don't feel vulnerable. If we've been hurt, it keeps us from committing to each other. It makes it hard to trust. And so if we don't trust, we don't rely on the water, we don't grow our roots in, we just go, we'll just keep doing what we're doing because I'm, I'm going to get hurt otherwise. Sometimes pride. And whether you've been here for the whole 40 years of this community and thank you for the work and the, the love you put into this place or whether you've here been two weeks or one day, I'm going to invite us to pray for this church going to ask us to repent of our own personal sins, perhaps that we have felt that we've been let down by someone or let someone else down, and we're going to give us a chance to give authority once again over to Jesus. We are disciples of something. If we're disciples of something or someone else, if we turn to something else at the moment, if we've, we've fallen away a little, maybe we've been relying on our own wisdom, this is a chance to repent of that. If we've been hurt, we can move on. We can grow deeper. And in a moment, we're going to pray for healing of that. We're going to pray for this church to be unpotted. We're going to pray for some of the stuff that might have come through this Freemason background stuff. I don't know. We're going to pray against it. And we're going to allow the roots to grow deeper. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not even thinking people in this church, I'm not thinking names, as no one has done anything wrong. Because we, but... Everyone's done something wrong. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if you've walked in, here's my last thought before we pray. If you've walked in and it's your first service today, you're like, mate, I've been here for two minutes and you're seriously telling me I have to repent and pray for this community. All all I can say is aren't you glad you came today? Because what church out of 260 churches on the Gold Coast and growing is standing in their service today and saying, God, we need you. We need more of you. We want to be a community, as a community, say sorry for the times we didn't listen. But also as a community, say thanks for everything you have done. What type of church is getting on their knees, either literally, and you're welcome to do that in a moment, get on your knees, if you're capable of that, if that's something you want to do, you don't have to, it can be in your heart, and say we are your disciples. i tell you what type of church does that. A church that has its roots deep. And it's about being disciples of Jesus. What I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. Feel free to do whatever you need to do to get into that spot. You're not, by the way, you're not repenting to me. I know I'm up here. I'm going to come down. <laughs> if we don't get too much fallback. We're just going to pray for the, for the, for the hurt for everything, everything I've listed. And we thank God for what he's going to do and we're going to pray for this new season as disciples of Jesus. We're going to pray for the living water to refresh us anew and we're going to pray that we can grow our roots deep, that I can share some hard things with you guys and you can share some hard things with me and we can do life together. Maybe it needs change. Maybe it does mean change in the style or maybe it means change. I don't actually know. That's actually not the important bit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the tree stuff. We need to make this deep. Then John's going to come up. And I'll give you the time. And so John's going to come up and just start playing. They're going to do that last song. Some of you may feel ready to sing. Some of you may need to do some more business with God this morning. And so to not interrupt it, 
I'm going to ask that after that last song we can go into the morning tea area. There's no benediction, only to give space for people if they want to process that. If they want me or Neil or any of the elders to come pray or they just need some time to pray. Is that okay? All right, let me, let me, let's bow our heads if you feel like you want to kneel. Um, I might come down here so you don't feel like you're not, don't want to feel like. Um, and let me, let me, um, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for this community. Thank you so much for the people that we, uh, I guess we stand upon, the foundation that we stand upon, Lord, that's been set here in Burley Heads. As we see the stats and the, the, I guess the bad news of our culture, Lord, we want to find fresh, new or existing ways, God ways, to reach this generation, to reach multi-generations in 2017, Lord. Father, if there's hurt here, if there's pride here, if we're angry at someone else here, Lord, if we've been disrespected by another person, if we felt scared by change, We just put it all with you, Lord. All with you. Father, make us your disciples. Make us your students. For those that have the energy, Lord, give us us your will. Allow us to run around with that energy and put effort into the kingdom. For those that are feeling less energy, Lord, let us be praying for those that are and walking beside with our wisdom and our experience, Father. Every age, Lord, has gifts and something to contribute to your deepening, growing kingdom, Lord. Thank you that while we're still sinners, Father, you came. While still in the mess, in in that statistics, in that brokenness, Lord, you came and gave your life, Father. so that we could be connected back to you, that we could have your living water. Break chains, Lord, unpotter us, break down boundaries, break down walls, and may your favour show itself in this place, Lord. May you smile on this church, Father, as we enter this new season. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.